Hallelujah, hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Praise the name of the Lord. Praise the name of the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. There's a special anointing of God in this place this morning. As we gather together to honor grandparents and talk about our heritage. Now listen to the word of God and exhortation concerning our predecessors, our grandparents who have walked before us on this earth. How do we honor you today? And uh, we're dealing with subjects that, uh, that have to do with the older folks, with grandparents in particular, but the elderly. And I want to read to you Psalm 71. I know you've been standing a while. This will only take a few minutes, about five minutes of your time. Can you hold on? Praise God. In fact, I think, well, let's just do, let me just read the first verse, all right? It says, in thee, O Lord, do I put my trust. Let me never be put to confusion. You may be seated and I'll read the rest. Follow along with me on the overhead unless you have your Bible. I want us to consider each verse with the weight that it really deserves from our attention. I will be speaking of these and after I get done reading, it's important that you realize that this psalm was written by King David at a time of calamity, but in a time of his old age. And he's not only reflecting on the past, he's looking to the future and what awaits him in his latter days. And I think the older we get, we also do the same thing. We see things differently when we get older. We place a different value on the things that we did when we were younger. And we see through the superficiality of so many things that we used to think were so important. And then in our old age, we begin to see that they aren't as important, they aren't as valuable as we thought that they were. And we begin to value simple things like body functions working correctly. <laughs> you laugh, but that's true. You don't think about it when you're young unless you have some kind of congenital problem, but when you get older, it's every man and woman's concern, and there are no exceptions. So imagine now King David, as great as he was, fought the Lord's battles. He defeated the great giant of Gath. and He was a great king and he expanded his kingdom. God had blessed him and promised him a, a, a lineage and a, a dynasty of many kings, ultimately of which Jesus Christ would come through and also sit on his throne forever. And yet in his humanity, he had to deal 
with his old age. You have to deal with them, the, the very things that you and I have to deal with as human beings. That Yet these verses that are written were anointed and ordained by God and, and, and it's meant to be brought to your attention and mine. And just because, young person, you're not old, it doesn't mean it's not for you. In fact, it's very much for you. Because time passes quickly. And it's a lot faster than you can imagine to get to 65 and 70 than you realize. It doesn't seem like that when you're young, but it'll hit you. It'll hit you right between the eyes. So again, Psalm 71, in thee, O Lord. Remember, here's an old man, a king talking, who's fought many battles. In fact, some rabbis said he wrote this when he was on the run from Absalom, his son, who rose up against him, and David had to run for two years. We don't know for sure. In thee, O Lord, do I put my trust. Let me never be put to confusion. Deliver me in thy righteousness and cause me to escape. Incline thy ear unto me and save me. Be thou my strong habitation whereunto I may continually resort. Thou hast given commandment to save me, for thou art my rock and my fortress. Deliver me, O my God, out of the hand of the wicked, out of the hand of the unrighteous and cruel man. For thou art my hope, O Lord God. Thou art my trust from my youth. By thee have I holden up from, have I been holding up from the womb? Thou art he that took me out of my mother's bowels. My praise shall be continually of thee. I am as a wonder unto many, but thou art my strong refuge. Let my mouth be filled with thy praise and with thy honor all the day. Cast me not off in the time of old age. Forsake me not when my strength faileth. For mine enemies speak against me, and they that lay wait for my soul take counsel together, saying, God hath forsaken him. Persecute and take him, for there is none to deliver him. O God, be not far from me. O God, my God, make haste for my help. Let them be confounded and consumed with uh, that are adversaries to my soul. Let them be covered with reproach and dishonor that seek my hurt. But I will hope continually and will yet praise thee more and more. My mouth shall show forth thy righteousness and thy salvation all the day, for I know not the numbers thereof. I will go in the strength of the Lord God, I will make mention of thy righteousness, even of thine only. O God, thou hast taught me from my youth, and hitherto have I declared thy wondrous works. Now also when I'm old, notice he mentions his youth twice and his old age again and again. Now also when I'm old and gray-headed, O God, forsake me not until I have showed thy strength unto this generation. And thy power to everyone that is to come. That is in the next generation. 
Thy righteousness also, O God, is very high. Thou hast done great things. O God, who is like unto thee? Thou which hast showed me great and sore troubles shalt quicken me again and shalt bring me up again from the depths of the earth. Oh, the hope of the resurrection. Thou shalt increase my greatness and comfort me on every side. I will also praise thee with the psaltery and even thy truth, O my God. Unto thee will I sing with the harp and O thou Holy One of Israel, my lips shall greatly rejoice when I sing unto thee and my soul which thou hast redeemed. My tongue also shall talk of thy righteousness all the day long for they are confounded for they are brought unto shame that seek my hurt. Hallelujah. Praise the name of the Lord. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. 11 verses pouring his heart out in complaint, in complaints, and 13 verses of praising God, expressing his own personal faith and his hope and his prayer. Hallelujah. And that's a good example for you and I as older people. Praise God. Hallelujah. Again, this is a psalm for the young as well as it is for the old. It is inspired by God and it mirrors the fears of everyone that grows old. And we're all wired to feel this way in our latter years. You can't explain it. Young person, I mentioned it's for you also. You and I must face it and prepare ourselves for it. At the same time, you must respect those who are there and going through it right now. Yeah. All of us who are younger, amen, hallelujah, and we must learn to praise God more than complain. Yeah. Amen. Yeah. amen. Praise God. Hallelujah. It's easy to complain. Yeah. Hallelujah. But it takes deliberate intentionality and effort to give God praise for everything. Every breath that we take, every day that we have, every opportunity we still have to impact our generation and the generation to come. Amen. Praise the name of the Lord. And one of the things that is brought out here, and, and I will make mention of this in a moment, but it's the respect for, for the elder, or at least for respect for those who are older than we are. Now, again, you know, I was born in Hungary, and Hungary, the nation of Hung Hungary, the, the Magyars, the tribes are Eastern. We're from Orient, we're from the Western Chinese area originally, migrated to Central Europe about 896 AD when we settled, where we are right now. We've been there over 1,100 years. But it's an Eastern Oriental culture, and we are taught to respect our elders. And that includes not just your parents and your grandparents, but also your older brother or your sister. If you're younger in the family, you were taught to respect the one that's over you, even if they're only one year in difference from you. My brother's 13 months older than I am, but I was taught to respect him from, from the, from the get-go, and I do, and I still do. And uh, the same thing uh, with, uh, with, with, with our grandparents. So we, I have a great deal of, of respect. Uh, and had for my grandparents while they were still alive. I learned a lot from them. My grandparents raised me uh, to be a young man, and uh, they have impacted my life in a great way. And grandparents, you can have a great impact on the grandchildren of this generation and this time. I have been reading stories from Great Britain and America 
uh, how that grandparents today are really one of the, uh, the best glues that we have as a society to make up the difference between parenthood and daycare. And evidence is quite clear that grandparents are making a big impact. They have a great deal of value. And so we need to respect that. We need to respect them. And if you do, there's not only a great blessing in learning things from them, but you have the blessings of God. Because by respecting them, you're honoring God. Hallelujah. And so when we begin to look at this psalm and David is expressing his fears, uh, he mentions that verse 1 and 2 says, Let me never be put to confusion. Cast me not off in the time of old age. Forsake me not when my strength faileth. In other words, when, when, when I get older and weaker, don't let me be taken advantage of. At a time and a stage of life when it gets easy to be confused. You know, older people get confused much, much more easier than young people do. It's part of that phase of life. And you will be that way if you're not that way yet. You and I will both be that way. We don't grasp new things as quickly as when we were young. It does not mean that we are any less valuable or that we ought to be deprived of any less respect or dignity. Quite the opposite. Because we have a great deal of experience that you do not have if you're younger than I. And yet, there are those who have no conscientious scruples and they have no fear of God and they, they willingly take advantage of the weakness and the confusion of the elderly for their own personal material gain for money and for power. I've seen it happen. I think you have too. And David had this concern. Don't let anybody take advantage of me as I'm getting older as a king. Don't let, let me become a foolish king who everybody makes fun of simply because he's not at his best like he used to be when he slayed the giant of Gath. Don't throw me away like, like an old worn-out dish rag and don't let me get to the place where I'm all alone. David had that prayer answered, I know, because when he was on his deathbed, he had a young virgin concubine who was to lay by his side to keep him warm because his blood circulation wasn't that good anymore. It was a young virgin, a wife they saw throughout the land who'd be worthy enough to be his wife, a concubine, secondary, to keep him warm. They didn't have any warming blankets back then. Hallelujah. No electric blankets, right? Praise the Lord. But Abishag fulfilled that role. Hallelujah. And so... so David just pours his heart out. And, and these are some of the fears that he talks about. Elderly fear the wicked just like David did because they know that they exploit the elderly and, and their weaknesses without any mercy whatsoever. Purse snatchers come and attack those who are weaker and older. Amen. It happens on the streets. You see it in the video clips. Amen. You, you hear about it overseas. Amen. I don't remember Sister Vota one place. A, a motorcyclist came by and whoosh, tried to grab her purse and dragged her down with it because it was so attached to her shoulder. She had, she had injuries because of that in Asia. 
purse snatchers, scam artists, try to rob you all the time, call the elderly who are easily confused and, and, and uh, they, they rip them off with all of their savings or whatever money they have put aside for their latter days. I remember my aunt, uh, she just passed away a couple of years ago and uh, she was, I think, 92. And you know, these, these scammers were calling all the time. And at one time, one, one talked her into, almost talked her into giving her $3,000 because her son was stuck someplace overseas and he needed help. And of course, his son has a business and he's traveling all the time, all over the world. And, and his son caught it just in time and said, Mom, don't you do that. Hang up the phone. But she'd always answer the phone and there's all these scammers got her number. She, he finally had to disconnect the phone and ride her through his house. And finally, she moved in with him. Yeah. Amen. Well, she was under 24-hour supervision. And the elderly sometimes don't like it because they like their independence. We understand that. But they enter into a second child. And perhaps that's another material for another time. Amen. Because it's, it's hard for a, a, a child, a son or a daughter to be the parent of a mother or a father who is now in their second childhood. And some of the elderly might just remember that your children are caring for you. The ones who you designated to care for you will do so when you'll be in confused states and you won't know how to make the right decisions. And your children are going to have to make difficult decisions about you in the sense that, that they, they, they have to, 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 to know and, 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 and what you think may be against you is really in your best interest. Your children, your point of power of attorneys are ones who are going to be taking care of you. Understand, we'll have to make choices that you will not like. But just like a parent, you sometimes have to do what's right for your children, even though if you try to explain it, they don't understand you. Your child has diabetes and they say, why can't I have that candy? You don't understand, honey. I'm doing it for your own good. I have to do what is best for you, not what you want. And that's a tough position to be in. But the elderly think about this because they don't want to lose their their identity. They don't want to lose their independence and their dignity and respect. And they should always retain that, always. But but these, these, these wicked people, they're those out there who prey upon the elderly and uh, just because they're so easily confused, they get disoriented and they're, they're easily victimized. And because they appear old and weak, many times they're denied that dignity and respect by those who are young and those who are strong. And so these elderly have fears about how they'll survive. They wonder if someone will have compassion on them and take care of them when they are no longer able to care for themselves. You know, back then in David's day, there was no Social Security. There was no Medicare. Uh, there was no public uh, institution to help anyone. You were on your own. So understand that, that, this is, that these thoughts haunt the elderly. Back in, in, in David's time, in our time as well. And, and so now let me just speak to the younger generation, you young people. God is very concerned that every Christian young person respect the elderly. He is. 
Listen to Leviticus 19.32. Thou shalt rise up before the hoary head, that's gray head, and honor the face of the old man and fear thy God, for I am the Lord. The New Living Translation says this. Stand up in the presence of the elderly and show respect for the aged. Fear your God, I'm the Lord. Another translation says when you do that, you're honoring God. You're showing that you're honoring God. Now, the world doesn't teach that. In fact, it teaches quite the opposite, to go against your parents, disrespect your parents. You see it in Hollywood. You see it in movies. You see it in video games. You see it all over the world. That's the way of the world. That's not the way of the Christian. That's not the way of the church, not the way of godly people. You respect your elders, even if if they're your brother or your sister and they're older than you. And you know, one thing that does when you give them respect, it actually helps that older son or daughter to take responsibility for that family group. He'll take responsibility and he'll care for those under him. He'll protect them and come to the aid and the help because they know that, that they're being looked up to. 1 Timothy 5, 1 and 2, Paul addresses Timothy, the young minister, and he tells them, don't rebuke an elder, but entreat him as a father. And the younger men, treat him as brethren. And the elder women, treat him as mothers. The younger women and girls, treat him as sisters. Well, all purity. So Paul's telling young Timothy, he says, don't speak harshly to an elder man. Be respectful in your approach to him as you would your own father. And he tells Timothy to treat elder women like his own mom. Why? Again, because when you're honoring your elders, young person, you're honoring God. And God looks for that. God looks for that. One day you're going to get old too. And it's just right around the corner. You know what goes around comes around. Hallelujah. The Bible says it this one, Galatians 6, 7, be not deceived. God is not mocked for whatsoever man sowed, that shall he also reap. What you're sowing now is going to come back to you, I'm telling you. How you teach your mom and dad. You have kids later on, guarantee you. Hallelujah. One verse says in the Bible, he that sows to the wind shall reap the whirlwind. Hallelujah. Amen. But a, 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 a degenerate and ungodly generation is the one that doesn't respect the elderly. Amen. So be respect, respectful. Be sensitive to their needs. Be kind to them. Uh, Job uh, had, had this to say in his sufferings that when, when he lost his health, he lost his, his reputation, his everything. He lost his children, all 10 of them in one fall. In, in, in chapter 30, uh, of, uh, of Job. Amen. Let, me, let me, in fact, read from the New Living Translation instead. Hallelujah. He says, verse 1, But now I am mocked by people younger than I, by young men whose fathers are not worthy to run with my sheepdogs. <laughs> Amen. Then going down, I'm jumping down to verse 14. They come at me from all directions. They jump on me when I'm down. I live in terror now. My honor has blown away in the wind, and my prosperity has vanished like a cloud. And now my life seeps away in depression, and depression haunts my days. 
At night, my bones are filled with pain, which gnaws at me relentlessly. Amen. Hallelujah. But he talked about how when he was down, the younger ones were coming around, kicking him, stepping on him, tripping him up. Amen. And it's in verse 1. These who he said, but now I'm mocked by my people younger than I. But he, by young men whose fathers are not worthy to run with my sheep. And why? When you say the fathers, because these fathers didn't teach their sons right. See? Praise God. It's important how we treat our elderly. You're quiet, and I like that. It should sink into you. Hallelujah. Now, for the elderly, again, I, I want to show you what David says about handling our fears as we get older. First of all, we see in verse 1 that David expressed his confidence in God. It says, truly God is good. Hallelujah. Let me read it. In thee, O Lord, do I put my trust. Let me never be put to confusion. Hallelujah. Deliver me in thy righteousness. Lord, in thee do I put my trust. In our older and latter days, we need to continually, intentionally put our trust in God. Yes, the government can help, but we can't trust them in all things. You cannot trust them with your soul. You can only trust God with that. Hallelujah. Trust God, not Uncle Sam. Hallelujah. Oh, Lord, in thee do I put my trust. And in verse 5 and 6, we see that David, he, he, he expressed his, his memory, his remembrance of the past. He said, thou hast been my trust from my youth. By thee have I been holding up from the womb. You see, when we get older, folks, we need to look back and remember from where God brought us and how he has been faithful to us all through those years. Yes, remember all the troubles you had. And young person, you're going to have trouble in life. I think all of us know that. And every phase of life, we're going to have trouble. Job said, you know, as surely as sparks fly upward, man's life is full of trouble. We're going to have trouble. But we have to expect it and we have to trust God. We have to, have to take the challenge and, and ask God's help to help us through every situation. And when you get in this old phase of life, you look back and say, my, look at all the things that God has done for me. Praise God. Amen. And I'm looking back, Brother Jake, you know, uh, at my 25 years ago or so, or 24 years, I had a triple bypass. And, you know, they cut me up right in the middle, put big clamps in here, split me open. And then take, cut my arm right, you can still see the scar here and here. And then when they put me back together again, they, they tied me together with chicken wire. For a long time, I could still feel the tip where they clipped it off and put my, my, my ribcage together, you know. Well, they had to saw me in half. They had to go saw go Cut my sternum right up and put me back. My, my, my scapula, my shoulder blades hurt for six months. They pulled me back so hard like this for hours until they completed that, that surgery. Hallelujah. Amen. And so, you know, I've been through some things, but here I am 24 years later. Amen. 
Hallelujah. God has brought me through some stuff, through revolutions, amen, and windows shot out in the middle of the night and, and battles and so on, uh, refugee status and all that kind. You know, God has, God has blessed me. God has blessed me, and he has taken care of me all these years. Hallelujah. 37 years of full-time ministry, trusting and relying upon God's provision, and here I am. 37 years later in the ministry. That's God. That's God. If God can do it back then, he can do it now. And he can do it tomorrow when I get to be 75 or 80. And you too. Praise God. So you have been my trust from my youth. By thee have I been holding up from the womb. Verse 25 in Psalms 37, he says, I have been young and I'm old, yet I've not seen the righteous forsaken, nor his seed begging bread. Don't worry about where the future is going to come from, where your supplies and provisions will come from. God will take care of you. God will take care of you. You know, a lot of people... I'll tell you, let me tell you what I've learned. I've learned that no matter how much I have or how much anybody else accumulates, you can only take advantage of a limited portion of what you have been given. You can have mansions, you can have many houses, you can only sleep in one room and one bed at a time. Yes. You know, uh, Steve Jobs, he was the founder of Apple. He, uh, he got pancreatic cancer. He died when he was 56. He left $7 billion behind. Shows you when you die, you leave all of it. You don't take anything with you. All that you think is so valuable, so important, you don't take it one penny with you. He died at home on his couch, curled up on a fetal position. I'm not demeaning him. I'm just telling you the facts. As a 56-year-old man, really died young. But we don't know what time is allotted to us. But the point is, he amassed so much wealth and so much notoriety, fame and all that. And he ends up on one couch by himself. But that's the lot of all of us. King David was the same way. He ended up in one bed. He had, if, if, I don't know if you've ever been to Jerusalem. I had a chance to go to the, to the, to the, to the city of David up in, in Jerusalem and that area. It's huge. It's got a whole palace. It's got all kinds of things in there. But, but I didn't get to go inside except the one area. But when he died, he only died in one room and one bed. Elisha, the prophet, that great man of God, twice as many miracles as Elijah, he died on a stretcher. Moses, the great leader and the giver of the law, writer of the first five books of the Bible, what a great leader, leader he was. God took him at age 120, and he, the Bible says his eyes were not dim, nor his natural strength abated. He was just as strong as he was when he was 25 and 40. And God said, it's your time. Say goodbye. Take the, give the mantle and put it on Joshua. He's going to be the next one, and I want you to come follow me. I'm going to take you to the land of Moab, and God took him to a valley, and there I could just only imagine. I, honestly, I was thinking about this. How, how did that happen? How did he die? Because he died. 
He was fresh as a daisy. I mean, he was, you know, stronger than a spring chicken, Sister Switzer. And he went and he sat down somewhere and he had to wait there. And okay, now I, I, I got to die. By himself in a cave somewhere in the wilderness of Moab. And nobody knows where he died. No, God didn't want him. No, anybody to know where he died. Because they'd probably make a shrine out of him and start worshiping him. But the bottom line is some of the greatest men in history. Hallelujah. Abraham. They, they, they were, he made preparation already. You see, some people don't like to talk about this. They think it's too morbid. But you know what? Men of faith plan ahead. Abraham, the father of the faithful, he bought a cave at Machpelah, hallelujah, and he put Sarah in there first. And later on, when, when he died, he made provision that he would be buried there also. He was a man of faith. And yet he planned these temporal things for his old age. He was 175 when he died, by the way. And that's great. But you see, he, he, he wasn't limited in his vision just to what was happening down here in his old age. He had a vision of the Spirit. He knew where he was going. Hebrews chapter 11 tells the New Testament that he saw that city that God was building, whose builder and maker was God. He was building the foundation of righteousness. He saw in the spirit, amen, where he was really going to. He was not living for this world. He was living for the world to come. And that's what you and I have to do in our elder years. We have to really get a spiritual vision of our true home. That down here is only temporary. Make your plans. Be faithful. Hallelujah. Yes, have faith in God. But you and I are going to die if the trumpet don't blow. What plans have you made for your final days? Think about it. Plan it out. Hallelujah. David did. Solomon did. Abraham did. All the faithful did. Here we are. David, now I'm old. I'm not seeing the righteous forsaken. Lord, I don't know how it's going to be. I know I'm king. I know I'll be taken care of, but I'm st I still have fears. Because if my son comes and takes the throne away, you know, I won't be king anymore. I don't know what he's going to do to me. Maybe he'll neglect me. He'll leave me alone. I'll by myself someplace else. I'll be like a dog. You know, when we get old, we start seeing shadows and shadows scare us and and we start seeing things that aren't there. Just like children when they were younger. We go back to our second childhood. And our vision isn't altogether clear. That's why we got to keep our eyes on God, not on things down here below. And that's what David tried to do. He was always bringing it back to God, back to God, back to God. So he said, notice in verse 2, deliver me in thy righteousness. And in verse 1 he said, let me... Never be put to confusion. God, deliver me from confusion. Don't let my mind go to the place where I can't tell which is left and right and which is right and wrong. Don't mean to put me in a position where I can't really think clearly about my situation and how I really should be thinking and how I think should be seeing things. He prayed that he was delivered from the hand of his enemies and that uh, those who, who would seek his harm. And he prayed that he might find rest and safety and security in God. 
That's why he said in verse 3, Be thou my strong habitation, whereunto I may continually resort. Thou hast given commandment to save me, for thou art my rock and my fortress. Hallelujah. In fact, in verse 7, he repeats this. He says, I'm a wonder to many, but thou art my strong refuge. In other words, it's a wonder to so many that I'm still alive. It's because you are my strong refuge. Hallelujah. And, and see, this is what's all about. He, here he is in his weakness as a weak man, but he understands that when you are in the hands of God, you are like in a strong tower built of nothing but rock and stone, high up that, that no enemy can, can breach. Now, think about it. You might have 10,000 people out there, and if you got a mountain and a rock high and tall enough and strong enough that you know no arrow can reach and no spear can come and no, no armament can reach where you are, and no matter how many people there are, they can't climb up that high, you're resting there secure. Not, 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 it doesn't matter to you how many people are out there or how strong they are. And that's really what David is saying here. Lord, you are my strong fortress. You're my rock. I'm in that strong tower, and I know that as long as I stay there, as long as I have you, as long as I rest in your righteousness, as long as my relationship with you is right, I am safe. I'm safe. Elderly saint, make sure you stay in Jesus. Keep your relation right. Keep praising him. Keep praying. Hallelujah. Like Brother Ivy's grandparents or mom. Hallelujah. Praying all the time. Hallelujah. Listen, there's so much you can do as an older person. There's so much that we can't do. I, I confess it. There's a lot of things I can't do anymore, Brother, Brother Hyle. Amen. But don't let that which you can't do stop you and hindering you from the things that you can do. Hello? Amen. Elderly saint, don't let the things that, that you can't do stop you from doing that which you can do. You can pray. You can praise. You can sing. Hallelujah. You can intercede. You can witness. Hallelujah. You can teach a mentor, another young person. You can teach and, and mentor your children, your grandchildren, and exert whatever influence you can. Oh, yes, you may not be with them 24 hours a day or as much as maybe the parents or daycares, but there are moments and there are times when they come around when you can plant some seeds, some seeds of hope and some seeds of faith and some seeds of godliness you can plant inside of them. Amen. And that means all the difference in the world in changing the direction that a young person may take. Oh, hallelujah. Praise God. David, he also praised God continually. That's what he did. Verse 14, but I will hope continually and will yet praise thee more and more. I will praise thee more and more. Hallelujah. See, he wanted to show the strength and power of God, not just to the present, but the next generation. In verse 18, we read, Now also when I'm old and gray-headed, O God, forsake me not. See, hear it again. Forsake me not. Until I have showed thy strength unto this generation and thy power to everyone that is to come. How does he do that? By writing and speaking. He's doing it right now. How many Psalms did he write? About half the book of Psalms. About. 
Amen. And how much is written about him by the Holy Ghost. He left a testimony. He left a testimony. And not just to his own generation, but the one to come. Because now they're reading about it. They're singing about it. And they keep focusing on God. Hallelujah. You can make a difference. You can write your testimonies. You may not be called upon to write a song, but maybe you can. There's so much potential in this church, even right here, right now. There's so much in here that you could do, but you're not doing. God has put talents and and he's put all kinds of uh, gifts on the inside of you. It sits resident inside of you. It needs to be developed. It needs to be invested. It needs to be brought out and done something with. Thank God for Sister Sue Kroberger that that decided, you know, it's time for me to write my my, my testimony. She she, she wrote a book. She can do it. You can do it. She's got something to say. You've got something to say. You've had your own story. Oh, Sister Ann, you've got your stories. Hallelujah. I'm surprised you haven't written a book yet. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Nothing's stopping you. Nothing's stopping you. You've got great testimonies. God has been good to you. Sister Switzer, oh, my goodness, planting three churches with her husband. Amen. Home missions churches and pastoring here 32 years. You don't think she's got wisdom to share? Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. And, you know, young people, God, God holds us accountable for what we have learned or didn't learn. In fact, it's interesting. I just, just read uh, the other day in, from Daniel 5, you know, the story of, uh, of Belshazzar, the guy who, who was Nebuchadnezzar's son, and, and he's the one that said in a drunken stupor, go get the, 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 the vessels from the temple from Jerusalem that we captured that my dad brought here, and, and let's, let's drink wine out of that, and, and let's party. And then when they did, you know, the hand appeared on, on, in, in, the, in the celebration tavern or whatever, the court that he was in, and he saw the handwriting, and then he called Daniel to interpret that. And interestingly, when, when Daniel came, this is, this is what he does. Daniel begins to talk to him about his dad, and he tells him, do you remember what happened to your dad when his heart was lifted up and how that God told him for seven years he's going to be, he's going to be a wild man? And he did. He was turned away from his throne uh, from Babylon. We walked out one night. He said, man, look at all that I have done. Look at all this, what I have built. And then the voice came and said, for seven years, you're going to be out there. Your hair's going to be like a wild man, you know, like eagle's feathers. I mean, he didn't cut his hair for seven years. His nails grew to be like claws. He ate grass from the fields. His, his saliva drooled and dripped down from his mouth. He was an animal living out in the wild for seven years. And seven years later, his reason came back to him. And he praised God for all that he has done. And he was restored to his position. And now his son, Belshazzar, is the king. And he hasn't learned from the lessons of his dad. He wasn't paying attention. Young person, are you learning from the mistakes of your fathers and your mothers? Look, this is what Daniel said in Daniel 5.20. But when his heart, he's remembering and reminding Belshazzar, the king, the son of his dad. But when his, your dad, was lifted up and his mind hardened in pride, he was deposed from his kingly throne and they took his glory from him. And he was driven from the sons of men and his heart was made like the beasts 
and his dwelling was with the wild asses, and they fed him with grass like oxen, and his body was wet with the dew of heaven, till he knew that the Most High God ruled in the kingdom of men, and that he appointeth over whomsoever he will. And verse 22, this is it. And thou, his son, Belshazzar, hast not humbled thine heart, though thou knewest all this. You knew this, Belshazzar. You know how your dad was and what he had to go through. And he made a, a proclamation, a decree. There's no God like the God of Israel. He's the true God. And nobody ever said anything bad about him. And everything I've got is due unto him. And I yield unto him. I give him glory. And now his son didn't learn from that. So God sent the prophet Daniel and said, you should have known better than to try to take the temples of Jerusalem's and, uh, vessels and from the temple, the holy uh, uh, vessels, and drink out of them and use them for drunkenness. Judgment came upon him the same night. He lost the kingdoms. The Chaldeans came took his throne away that very night. Hallelujah. Praise God. Hallelujah. So I want to just close by talking about grandparents and asking what the next generation learned from you. What values and what words of wisdom have you imparted upon your grandchildren? You got to be careful what kind of seeds we plant. Hallelujah. Got to be planted with the words of, of pride and not bitterness. I mean, not pride, not bitterness, and not doubt, but faith and hope and love. Good things. Good things. Just a, a few weeks ago, I have watched a short video clip from Brother Carlton Kuhn. Uh, Brother Bernard asked him to start a new group for the elderly called Sages, people with experience. And one, I just happened to catch it live. It was only a five-minute clip. And, uh, and he said, you know, as older saints, many of the young people in the young generation look at us and they look at our successes, they look at, at where we are, and, and many of them mistakenly think that we've had no battles, we haven't had any problems, and you know, here we are just successful, and we got it made. But he says, the young people need to know how we got to where we are today. And there seems to be a disconnect between the previous generation and the next one. And he made this recommendation. I said, what a great idea. He says, you know what? It would be, I think, good in your church if some of the elder saints, uh, if it's appropriate and the parents would approve, to invite a younger person out for dinner or lunch or something. Invite them for a burger. Ask questions from them or what their vision, what their hope, what their future is. And let them ask questions from you of how you dealt with your hard times. What kind of things did you go through? And share with them your testimony. I think that's a great idea. I think that would be a great experiment here in our midst as well. In fact, I think some of the young people, I, I don't know if some of the young people already come to you, uh, 
but I think, I think it would be good if some young people would go to your elders or somebody you would trust. Now, not everybody is, you know, not everybody uh, is in a position where they'd be open to that kind of a, a personal testimony. I, I realize that. But there are plenty in here that would be willing to share their time and their testimony with you. And elderly saints, be intentional. Pray about who God would have you to, to spend some time with. Just a little time. Just be an hour. Go out to get a hamburger. Don't have to be out. Invite them over for grilled cheese sandwiches and tomato soup. Praise God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Stand with me, if you will. Grandparents. Grandparents. Hallelujah. I want to read the Ecclesiastes 12 to the young person because it's addressed to the young. It begins. And, of course, it summarizes what you and I, as the elder folks, are in or have to look forward to. And let me tell you before I just read it, and I'll read it in New Living Translation. Understand that by God writing this down tells you and I that he understands what we're going through in our latter years in this phase of life. It should be an encouragement to you that he knows where you are and where you will be. And what you have to endure, what you have to go through. As your body and mind literally decomposes in real time. And so Ecclesiastes 12 should be an encouragement to us. And, and I mentioned this at funerals before. But, but we have 70 or 80 years to live on this ball of mud we called earth. And it's only by the grace of God that he gives it just 70 or 80 years. Imagine if you're like this now, 60, 70, 80, what you'd be like at 800. But not only that, you know, he, he, he lets us go through this decomposition and, and things going out of whack and, and getting hard because he doesn't want us to get so comfortable in this body and forgetting that there's an eternity, a real eternity. And it's either heaven or hell. And you and I have a choice to make. Where are we going to spend it? And he's trying to, to work in us, Brother Drake, and remind us that our bodies are fragile. It's going to wear out. And our strength that we have is temporary. So use it wisely. Yes, and you may amass and accumulate a whole lot of worth, but none of it's going to go with you. The most important thing is you be ready for eternity. So Ecclesiastes 12.1. Young people, here it is. You ready? This is youth service. Hallelujah. We had a great youth service. The first section four Friday night. It was amazing. And our people did great. Andrea and our, and our choir did awesome. Praise team, if you please. But here, this is part two of Friday night. Don't let the excitement... Of youth cause you to forget your creator. Now, this is so God. I mean, you know, when we're young, we're so excited. We won't be excited there. We want to do everything that's exciting. We don't want to do anything that's boring, right? It's got to be exciting. 
honor him in your youth before you grow old and say life is not pleasant anymore. Does anybody get there? Yeah. Sooner or later you'll get there. Food won't taste right anymore. And it's got to be just right. And it's just usually boring stuff, usually the same stuff. Why? Because it just doesn't digest right. Doesn't taste good. I don't like it. Don't want to go on roller coasters anymore. I can't handle it. You can have it. We went to Disney World, what, last year, a year ago, February. Hallelujah. Sister Becky, Becca was so great in arranging all that. Hallelujah. It was awesome. And gladly, gladly, you know what I did? I stayed with Michael, my grandson. And I pushed him around in the buggy, in the heat, and trying to get in the shade. I loved it. While my wife and Amy and, and Ava, they all went on roller coasters, all that stuff. You go ahead and go. I'm keeping my feet on terra firma. <laughs> Hallelujah. I don't, enjoy, I don't enjoy that anymore. But I do honestly enjoy others enjoying it. I enjoy seeing my wife and my, my wife. Hallelujah. Now, mind you, she's older than I am. Now, I'm going to get in trouble. I know she's not here today. She's, she's a homesick. So I can say this, praise the Lord. But I'm telling you, she loves roller coasters. She's crazy. I mean, she is crazy. She, she went in Space Mountain in the dark roller coaster twice, back to back. Who does that? Man. I'm dignified and I'm old now. (laughs) But anyway, I digress. It says life is not pleasant anymore. Remember him before the light of the sun, the moon and stars is dim to your old eyes. And rain clouds continually darken your sky. It's when cataracts come on. Doctor told me just... Last week, I'm going to have to have cataract surgery on this side right here. See, this lens right there is twice as thick as the other one. I got, I can see on this eye here. Well, I got cataracts growing on here. And glaucoma hit my nerves. Come to an old age. Remember him, amen, before your legs, the guards of your house start to tremble. And before your shoulders, the strong men stoop. Remember him before your teeth. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord, Brother Brian back, Dr. Back. Remember him before your teeth. Your few remaining servants stop grinding before your eyes and the women looking through the windows see dimly. Remember him before the door to life's opportunities is closed and the sound of work fades. Now you rise at the first chirping of the birds, but then when you get old, all their sounds will grow faint because your hearing is bad. Remember him before you become fearful of falling and worry about danger in the streets, before your hair turns white like an almond tree in bloom and you drag along without energy like a drying grasshopper. You ever seen a dying grasshopper? You ever seen when you kind of get injured a little bit and he's got one leg? He's dragging. You've seen an older person climb stairs? 
Now, my wife be sick yesterday trying to go up. We got 14 steps going up to the second floor. I think it's 14. And she's sick. She's weak. She was going slow. Maybe when you're younger, you went faster. I'm talking about the reality of life. Hallelujah. It's God talking here. Before your hair turns wild like an almond tree in bloom, you drag along without energy like a dying grasshopper. And the caperberry no longer inspires sexual desire. Remember him before you're near the grave, your everlasting home, when the mourners will weep at your funeral. Yes, remember your creator. Now, while you're young, everybody say while you're young. I think the young people need to say it all by themselves. Say, while you're young, say it. Thank you. You guys are awesome. Yes, remember your creator now while you're young before the silver cord of life snaps and the golden bowl is broken. Don't wait until the water jar is smashed at the spring and the pulley is broken at the well for then the dust, when you die, will return to the earth and the spirit will return to God who gave it. Ah, grandparents, we just have a little time left. I'm trying to take advantage of the time I have with my grandkids and impact them every chance I get in prayer, in Bible study, and answering their questions. You know, my granddaughter asked questions. Is the devil real? Where did the devil, the devil come from? And you know why I was able to answer questions like that? Because I, I was with them and I spent time with them. They have all kinds of questions and, and, and mom and dad, they're busy working. They're so, so busy. And everyone's busy in life. And grandparents can make a big impact. They can really help. Amen. I know, Sister Christina, your, your father was a great help to you with your children. In the most difficult times, and Sister Christina got her cross to bear and with some of her children and, and with, with their challenges that they have. But your dad was there when your, your little daughter was amen, having difficulties with, with, with her heart and the blood flow going properly to the brain. But he was there, and he's still making it back. He's still there for you. Amen. And for the children. And you all can do the same thing. Make an impact on Christian. Now, if you don't have grandchildren, man, I know some of you, you know, feel like you're far away from grandchildren. Look around you. Is there somebody you can make a positive impact on? I don't mean a negative one. Please. No negativity allowed. But surely you can, you have something you can offer to say that, that, that could encourage them. And say, look, life is hard. It's tough. But you can make it. Especially if you hold on to God. Keep Him your trust. Keep Him your all in all. Because it's worth it. And after all, we're not laboring for something down here. we got a bigger goal right beyond this life. Just keep your eye on that goal. Hey man, don't, don't look at everything that shines and is glittery. Hallelujah. Look at that which is shining above. Because we're going to a city where the Lamb is the light. Hallelujah. You know that song? 